Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to a Caden Rince interview special uh, to bridge the gap most pleasantly between volumes of the main Caden Rince podcast. And I would like you to welcome to Caden Rince for the first time, a senior editor at Game Informer and author of the new book, Limitless Sky, No Man's Sky, unofficial discovery guide. It's Jeff Cork. Hello, how's it going? Welcome and thank you for joining us, Jeff. I'm good. And how are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. And thanks for having me. All right. So uh, you have a book coming out very soon now. Uh, the, only, the date I've got is December 2016 at the time of recording. It's uh, just coming to the end of November. I'm hoping that we'll be able to put this show live uh, like the day before the book comes out because, uh, you know, we can do that and that, that would work nicely. So um, I guess uh, the first things, first things first, sadly, um, because I'm across the Atlantic, uh, your, your, your lovely PR guys uh, couldn't actually get one to me uh, all the way across the 6,000 miles of ocean. So sadly, I haven't had a good, uh, like a tactile feel of, of the object. So can you describe <laughs> the, uh, the, form, the form factor and, and uh, how does it look and feel? What's in it? What is in it? Oh, my goodness, Leon. I got to turn into a pitch man now. Yeah, go for it. Let's see. It has pages that are like a book. So Mm. you could flip through it and there are things on those pages. It's about the size of probably like a a Prima strategy guide. Nice. Okay. If you're familiar with those. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's basically just kind of geared toward, I don't know how much of your audience necessarily, I would imagine like those of us who, when a game comes out, we go all in and spend hours on Reddit and GameFAQs and reading all about it. Uh, this isn't for that kind of consumer. This is more like a person who's like, I've heard of No Man's Sky. I don't play a lot of games. And I'm just kind of curious to learn more because, as you know, games don't come with instruction manuals anymore. Yeah. So this is kind of like a handy reference for someone who doesn't want to have uh, like a laptop with them at all times as they're playing the game. Just to kind of give them some general guidelines on here are the basic gameplay loops. Here's stuff to keep an eye out for things to avoid and just kind of some guidance for people who are jumping into it for the first time. Okay. And uh, according to uh, the blurb that I was sent, uh, you've also got some behind the scenes stuff in there or some, some, uh, some. some yeah, a little bit. Of- yeah. It, basically there's a chapter early on that's kind of summarizes uh, the development history, very uh, truncated. I know that uh, I, I work at game informer magazine and then no man's sky was a cover story that we had back in uh, 2014. So some of it's based on that trip and just kind of uh, what we learned when talking to the guys at Hello Games and uh, that. Okay. So, yeah. So um, the, the, in the title, it says totally unauthorized, um, but uh, but you did have some access to Sean Murray or some of the guys there at Hello? It did. And once it, It's kind of interesting. There's like a clear delineation between once I was uh, contacted by Triumph Books, the publisher, uh, to write the book because they were interested. They do a lot of Minecraft books and they're like, this game seems to be getting a lot of buzz and we'd be curious, you know, interested in having mm. somebody from write a, a book about it. And they contacted me. And at that point, I stopped uh, writing about it for the magazine and the site just to yeah. make a 
clear line, like I said, a, a demarcation, like yeah, yeah, no conflict of interests, kind of exactly, or, yeah. yeah. So, do you, I, I guess my uh, something that's uh, coming to me now is: Do you think because of uh, the nature of uh, who this book, the, the sort of demographic you're after for this book, um, do you think maybe the sort of the the impression we might have of the reception of No Man's Sky and the reaction to it is kind of it's it's going to be it's going to be a different one, isn't it? The the audience that you're targeting with this book is not necessarily the uh, the the rabid and sometimes um, yes. you know. Ex- ex- extremely emotional uh shall we say uh kind of people who maybe will know the, the the no man's sky story inside out and people who are just curious about this game that they've read about probably in things like newspapers and 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 lifestyle places and stuff like mm-hmm. that rather yeah, than absolutely. the hardcore gamer who who knows the whole thing kind of back to front yep absolutely yeah okay. i know that we, uh, we had a neighborhood barbecue the other a few months ago before no man's sky had come out and my neighbor was super excited about no man's sky and i asked well what else do you play and he said nothing really i just you know i just heard about this one of my friends told me and i'm really excited about that idea just like cruising around in a spaceship and and shooting dinosaur aliens and that kind of thing so Mm. i think for that kind of person who isn't like i said earlier kind of spending his life on reddit and going through every turn of the screw with the development and what was promised and what may or may not have been delivered. You know, I think that reader isn't necessarily going to be swayed by as much of the negative um, publicity that kind of went around. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so pretty much everyone listening uh, to this initially, at least uh, our, our core audience, hopefully it will spread wider than that, but that, you know, we'll be familiar with the No Man's Sky story. So that is to Mm -hmm. say an immensely promising and ambitious indie sci-fi title made by a very small team, uh, championed pre-release by Sony and met with a mixed to hostile reception (laughs) due to a, due to a combination of perceived shortcomings and technical issues. That's the way I've put it. Um, but that said, uh, and and I want to really stress this. Um, our community is one of the nicest, most decent, fairest, most thoughtful, um, as far as I'm concerned, on 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 the internet when it comes to video games. And we've had some some genuinely interesting discussions about the game. That isn't to say that the, these discussions aren't without uh, you know similar criticisms, but perhaps the way they're expressed is different mm-hmm. to some of the horrific stuff we've seen aimed at the at Sean Murray on, on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, so one of the criticisms often viciously leveled at the released, the, at least the initially released product, uh, was that the scope of the game was much less than that which was promised or at least advertised. Um, mm-hmm. Have you discovered aspects which particularly surprised or impressed you? Yeah, I, I honestly think, um, and I can only speak for myself, I'm the kind of person that likes to start a new seed of Minecraft and just wander around and see weird stuff. So I understand I'm a complete anomaly probably compared to some other people out there, but there there have to be sure. more like me out there. But I, I could take or leave the crafting sometimes or fighting spiders and skeletons. I just like to see weird stuff. So for me, that aspect of No Man's Sky, I think it, it absolutely delivered. Um, however, there are a lot of aspects that, you know, like the sandworm, that infamous <laughs> beast that we saw in the trailers uh, that as far as I know, like I, I just checked within a week or so, no one has still seen that. And I'm sorry to think that maybe that is just simply not in the game. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I I think probably just that sense of exploration and openness. I 
that really struck me and i i enjoyed that about the game yeah one of the things that um i thought now i must admit i've i've played some hours of no man's sky but certainly not mm-hmm. as many as you will have done or, or some of the people who have um perhaps you know explored further into the the far reach of the universe but one of the things i i got the impression was was that um the way the algorithms were set up was that uh you might the the kind of the longer you play the the weirder stuff you might see just whether that's just through chance or whether it's because the actual the 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 underlying mathematics are tweaked so that uh so that kind of the worlds get freakier as you head if you as you you know head out of, of the initial places i don't know if that's been your experience at all of you yes things where you've gone what the heck is that i've not seen anything <laughs> like that before yeah absolutely and I, as your ship after you after you uh, upgrade it you're able to go to different types of star clusters that you couldn't go to initially that may have like higher density of rare materials or uh, richer foliage and crazier animals and that kind of thing. I think that's one of the big problems of the game is that you can start off and like you say, luck of the draw, you could end up in just a complete bummer of a planet Mm. and spend a few hours there and say, "Eh, that's it. All right, go to a different place. And, you know, you hope it doesn't happen, but if you get bummer of a planet part two, you know, it can get, very uh, discouraging. Yeah, sure. I wonder if, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if in the updates that they are still working on, we know um, uh, whether they'll kind of, I don't know, tweak the tweak the procedural generation somehow so that things are more distinctly different as you move around. I mean, these, these mm-hmm. you know, it's all based on, it's all based on maths. So right. theoretically, you could certainly, without actually authoring planets, which would kind of detract from the whole concept you could at least um you know they could play god in a slightly different way maybe yeah i I, something that i would like to see is um for as big of an emphasis there is on exploration there's always a sensation that you're you're arriving to a party that's already in progress Mm. uh you know you land on a planet you start walking in a direction and suddenly there's an outpost that's already been established that is populated by an alien species you walk in a different direction, you find a, like a monolith or something. It'd be nice if there were planets where there was no civilization uh, that was completely barren or had something unexpected because it is built on algorithms and there are archetypes and things that you will see mm-hmm. after spending a lot of time over and over again. So I think some people's tolerance for that may be higher than others. Sure. Yeah. And I suppose um, where your book comes in, um, thinking from the point of view of, of somebody who, yeah, like like the, the, the anecdotal guy that you were speaking about who maybe doesn't play games all the time and isn't so kind of hyper aware of how these how these things are kind of made and put together actually putting myself in in trying to put myself in that headspace you know i've I've Mm -hmm. been video gaming since the 70s so it's it's tricky (laughs) it's hard to do (laughs) but um i can imagine say giving uh you know a non-gaming friend uh you know the controller and them coming to a planet and finding one of those you know sort of little establishments a little space station type place with a little dude in it and and where your book comes in is maybe to say you know don't don't sweat it this is cool you know um <laughs> this is what you might consider doing at this point rather than just being completely um just thinking it's some i don't know abstract surrealist uh yes kind of art installation or whatever there there are actually there are things to do and and purposes to these things sort of Absolutely. Yeah. You can certainly, if you want to just wander around and do a whole lot of nothing, but there are definitely loops in play that 
the game kind of nudges you toward if you follow the atlas path um but they're not necessarily explicitly laid out you can choose to avoid them pretty easily so i think a lot of people might feel lost if they don't play a lot of games yeah so i'm curious did did you did you start work on the book before you before the game was released or was it once you started playing it there was some stuff i was able to do ahead of time like um for instance the uh information about the game's development because you know yeah that was based on information that i already had uh some of the things such as, you know, games that were similar to No Man's Sky, I was able to put most of that together just based on what I'd played up until then. But the the bulk of the game, just because they had been, Hello Games had been um, pretty, they didn't send out preview builds of it or anything like that ahead of time. Uh, so it wasn't something I was able to to really dive into in a, in a really deep way until the game was actually released. Hmm. So that basically the game came out and then for the next two weeks kind of hold myself up and played through as much as I could on the PlayStation 4 and then moved on to PC. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I, I got the game on PC and uh, famously it had been, uh, let's say the, the launch version had been slightly neglected in favor of getting the console version <laughs> working. Um, but yeah. a, a few patches down the line and uh, it really is... Um, you know, if if you've got the machine to play it on, you've got a graphics card. Uh, it it does um, it does sort of add to the, the that sense of wonder that some people do definitely get from No Man's Sky. Anecdotally, again, mm-hmm. you know, from reading things on the internet, those other people who aren't determined to make sure Murray have a nervous breakdown, um, <laughs> but actually appreciate, you know, that that. Hello Games reached really, really far with this game. You know, arguably they reached a bit too far for mm-hmm. their first project after a after a pair of you know very well, warmly received, um, you know, side-scrolling arcade games, effectively in in the Joe Danger yeah. games, which I love, by the way. Um, but the PC version, that as it is now with with uh, with its uh, smooth frame rate and higher resolutions, is actually a, a pretty fantastic way to experience the No Man's Sky Galaxy. I think. Um, mm-hmm. having seen the PlayStation 4 version running, which obviously has the console niceties, but it is, it is uh, you know, it looks a little rough around the edges. I don't know if they're planning a PS4 Pro um, update in among all the things that they're, they're trying to do to kind of appease the community or yeah. cheer the community. That's a good question. I've not heard about a PS4 Pro update. It was strange too. Like it seems like such a no-brainer for PlayStation VR, and that was just oh, kind wow, of – Oh, yeah. But, Yeah. Clearly, their priorities lay elsewhere right now. Um, I, I, I'm hopeful for the the foundation patch that I believe yes. they just announced that yesterday as we're That's recording right. this. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of speaks to what, in my opinion, it's easy to kind of armchair quarterback things after the fact. But oh, yeah. it, it, it seems as though something that they maybe could have done that would have mitigated a lot of the problems would have been just to kind of right out of the gate say this is a and i hate this term but like a games as service kind of proposition where Mm. kind of like when minecraft first launched it's a it was a shadow of what it is now sure but through a steady flow of updates you know they added villagers and uh more story elements those kind of things yeah everything yeah yeah Yeah, it feels like no man's sky people were kind of put off by the the fact that it was a full price game I think that was a real sticking point for a lot of people just right when the game launched. But then also to see features that they were kind of expecting or hoping for not being in the game um, 
I think that if they did, if it had been communicated that, you know, we're going to be releasing substantial patches along the way at steady increments. So stay tuned. That possibly could have helped the, the online reaction be a little less toxic than it Completely. ended up being. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's interesting. What a, it was a very similar uh, situation with another PS4 exclusive from earlier in the year, Street Fighter Five. A similar mm-hmm. similar thing. You know, the, the the version that was released in the shops was full price, uh, you yep. know, and as a download, and it was you know it was bare bones compared to other games in the genre and other games in the series that had come before. Um, in this case, this was this was a new IP, but um, but yeah, there, I guess there, there was no communication that this was going to be, you know, something that you you know would maybe load up every you know after every big update, every quarter, every six months to go back to and go, oh, what have they added? Um, right. Some games, some games, the community embraces that. Um, Destiny, mm-hmm. I suppose, would be one. Yeah. Um, and maybe there will be, maybe you know, maybe there there will be a core of No Man's Sky players because, as I say, I do know people who really like this game. It's not all toxic. Um, it's not all negative. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who who get a real kick out of the 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 simplicity of it, the relaxing nature of it, the you know that that like you say that that pure exploration um, and the, and the feedback loop of you know increments of achievement. So yeah. With the game now down, retail, you know, it's down in retail price from its uh, initial uh, full whack. You can now get it in deals for, you know, 20 to 30 quid over here or presumably $40 or something like that in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think is the realistic chance it could get a second, a second I think it, behind it? I think it's certainly possible. It depends on what exactly they do have in pl- like planned with this foundation update and subsequent follow ups. If it is indeed amazing stuff that there's a possible or possibility that it could turn it around. You remember uh, like Diablo four or, or Diablo three rather, yeah, excuse me, sure. the auction house hubbub and everything. And that was not uh, well received. And oh, then that's right. Blizzard took the time and turned that around as well. Not to say that hello games is going to be able to pull a blizzard in this case necessarily, but it, it's, Things have happened in the past. That's one of the good things about the nature of uh, game development today is you can go back and address things a lot easier than you could when they were just burned onto cartridges. Um, but whether or not the audience will be forgiving, that's another question entirely. I would imagine for a lot of people, oh, yeah. they've moved on. <laughs> they've moved on. There are other games to play. And uh, there's there are just so many games being released that you have to have a really compelling reason to give to people to come back to something that mm. they gave up on several months earlier. Yeah. And uh, and it would mean, uh, you know, if they change core fundamentals too much, you're going to have to revise your book <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know, maybe I'll have to leave some blank pages in the back next time. Yeah, notes like the old, like the old game, menus, game manuals. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, we have a uh, one question from our community forum. This is from Alex Dola, who says, uh, what's the single most exciting and interesting moment of the game for you? Uh, he says, unless the answer involves the end of the game, because he doesn't want to hear about that yet. Uh, okay. He says, for me personally, given the relatively short amount of time I've spent with it so far, I absolutely love discovering that you could dive under the water and there was stuff to discover down there. The tranquility of gliding around under the sea was an even bigger wow moment for me than the first time you get your ship off the ground and head into outer space. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. The undersea stuff is, is really fun and interesting. I think for me, probably 
it would be the the first time that I was on a planet and saw um, kind of turned and saw a gold nugget the size of my house kind of floating in the middle of the air and then mining it and then realizing that, oh, yeah, gold isn't even the most valuable resource here as far as like being a trading commodity. So um, unfortunately, <laughs> as with uh, some, you know, that's that's the thing that you will if you spend enough time with the game, you'll find entire planets where that's kind of that planet's gimmick is like giant house sized gold nuggets floating yeah. in the air. Yeah. But the first time that that happened, I was absolutely stunned. And it's really fun, too, to carve using your mining tool to carve away at those giant nuggets, the weird shapes that you end up with. Um, it gets a little tedious, too. But, yeah, the, the first time is fantastic. Yeah. One of the things I think was discussed um, among and around peers of mine was was one of the issues with the game is partly um, by necessity, which is that every planet has every resource on it. Mm, so yeah. um while in you know in 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 on earth as we know it and may, maybe on <laughs> other planets in the solar system um you're going to find that areas are very rich in a certain mineral or thing but then you know if if you got stranded in certain areas or certain planets in the real world you might be you know that you you you're screwed you're stranded right. basically <laughs> but obviously this being a video game where ultimately you have to be able to move on otherwise you know it's uh, it's game over and restart mm-hmm. um it means that the the environment the environments always have to um cater for for every potential need um and maybe that was something that led to the 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 feeling that people got of homogenization as regards to the environments in which in which they were um but that said i still see uh, from time to time people on my twitter feed uh doing ps4 screenshot shares Mm-hmm. of um you know things that look like a a sort of 70s sci-fi landscape painting um you know sort of certain outcroppings and and shapes of organic nature that you've never seen before um and yeah again i guess that's where that procedural generated stuff comes back in do you think there's um do you think there's uh stuff in content in your book that would um perhaps you know, inspire somebody who who had come away feeling a little jaded to go back and maybe and seek out some of the things that brought you pleasure in exploring. I, I think that one of the things that I, I did take a lot of time and and spent a lot of uh, attention on was I, I took a ton of screenshots while I was playing the game. So uh, in some ways, I always had my keyboard you know, cradling on my knees because I play with a controller like a heathen on PC. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Me too. so I would. Uh, yeah, I got the print screen button got a big workout, but I think there are a lot of I tried to capture some of the variety that you might see because that's just it. If you don't spend a whole lot of time with the game, there's a possibility you won't see some of the things that I saw or by the very nature of the game, you may have seen some things that I, I will probably never see. So, I'm you know, if you just flip through and just look at the pictures, there's possibly something that might capture your imagination there. Kind of to your earlier point about the homogenization, mm. it's funny because one of the planets that I was on, there was this really long peninsula and I was jetpacking along it for probably about 15 or 20 minutes and then uh, realized that I didn't have any more plutonium left. And it was basically me with my like space gas can looking for plutonium. And it took probably a half an hour. So even though like the materials are there, there mm. are definitely times where you're not completely locked into a terrible situation, but you will lose a lot of time if you aren't prepared so i i kind of like that that feeling where there's hope is 
around the corner, but that corner may be very far away. I, sure. Yeah, I, I certainly got a sense of that in 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 my opening hours with the game. Um, there were times where I had that sort of that uh, that pleasurable isolation, that loneliness that uh, you mm-hmm. get from a you know say Metroid Prime or or something like that. Which which I guess is what people were when they were looking at the promotional assets. I guess that's the kind of thing they were after. With you know obviously with the crafting elements. And the awareness that this was going to be a procedurally generated world rather than a, you know, a very, very carefully crafted one like you would get from Nintendo in in some ways that offers such a different thing. Exactly. This all makes me think of we we recorded our Bloodborne podcast uh, last night at the time of recording this. And <laughs> one of the things we were talking about in that game, as I'm sure people who played it will probably, uh, I guess they they maybe not, maybe won't feel exactly the same way, but um Consensus, I think, says that the the authored levels, the map design in From Software's games, Bloodborne included, is exceptionally strong. And one of the con- most controversial elements of Bloodborne is the Chalice Dungeons, which are procedurally mm-hmm. generated. Now, some people really like those, and apparently I, I, I didn't spend any time in those but apparently there's some fantastic bosses and some enemy there's some exclusive enemies to the chalice dungeons in there but but in another way it meant it, again it led to a kind of a slight um uh, anonymousness to the levels yeah um so again i suppose we come back to the the mass that you use p- for procedural generation and how how I mean, I'm not a coder. Uh, I don't, and I'm certainly no math genius. Um, I don't know how how you would do it, but you have to make a a world that is both um, is both possible to traverse, mm-hmm. but, but also um, you know remains visually visually interesting. Rather, you know, you can't just have just acres of flatness because because that would be dull. You see what I mean? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the procedural generation is always very tricky too because I I agree that things that are kind of curated by the developers in general are almost always I want to say better but more satisfying or interesting because I know like a lot of uh, like dungeon crawlers for instance that you kind of after a while can't shake that that samey feeling of hey here's a corridor this one may have like a bit of a dog leg but then it will lead to a large room that probably has a tray a table in it and some crates and a barrel. Mm-hmm. And then there are two paths that I can go and they may meet up for some inexplicable reason, you know. So as opposed to something where like the artists have you know, spent time away from their families for weeks <laughs> to put it all together. Uh, yeah, I, I think even at, at its best procedural generation, I don't know that it, it is necessarily up to the task. Though I will say like Minecraft is still... If you ever fired up Minecraft in a while, huh, it is yeah. it is it's incredible. It yeah. the uh, the amount of weird stuff that you will see, and if you're a person again, if you like to explore, uh, it's it's one of the best, absolutely, and mm. just it never fails to astonish. You go into some cave network, and there's always something very surprising and and amazing around the corner. And I think just to a lesser degree, No Man's Sky is there, and hopefully, they're able to capture some of that with the the planned updates. Yeah, for sure. I guess that that is that is a key question. Like, what would you love to see? Because I imagine, like everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, going going into this game, and obviously, you, you know, you're in a, a great position of working at Game Informer and being able to have some access to the to to just speak to Hello Games and, and things like that. But you, you know, you're like like everyone who grew up watching Star Wars or whatever else, Star Trek, whatever your whatever your poison is. Mm-hmm. Um, you presumably were had all these kind of flights of fancy um, that you had planned for No Man. 
Man's Sky. And while it may have fulfilled some and enough to inspire you to to write a book about it, what would you love to see? Uh, sort of, how could Hello Games make this game kind of even I would, more inspirational to you? Yeah, I would love to see like some more like actual ship customization because I think that one of the places that the game fails is the way that it handles ships. There's these incremental upgrades and you're basically mm. moving from ship to ship to ship. Uh, kind of like when you're in high school, you get your first junker car and then you upgrade. You don't, you know, most of us don't sit there and restore an old car to, you know, the peak of its potential over the course of a lifetime. No. But in a game, that's something that I enjoy doing is feeling like I'm going to get a really weird paint job for this. And it'd be really cool to attach these kind of cannons on it in this orientation and yeah. to feel a sense of ownership over it based on kind of your sweat equity that you've put into versus a sense of ownership, like because you've spent so many million credits to purchase it. So I think yeah. ship customization would be fantastic. Yeah. So obviously um, Elite Dangerous came out what three years ago now something like that and <laughs> yep. and they're still you know they're still making huge updates and and they've very much gone in that direction uh and obviously the your ship has always been a part of elite going back to the original um 1984 game um but the with each big update they do they seem to give you more more sort of uh more potential to customize and own bigger ships and better ships and ships with cargo holds and you can now take passengers and all this sort of thing so um i mean i don't know we don't know what what's possible despite some of the response to no man's sky i think it sold quite a few copies so we mm -hmm. we've got to assume that hello games is more cash rich than it was um <laughs> how much can you know what how much can they achieve they're, they're laying the foundations for base building which sounds like a, the start of something again hugely ambitious potentially game-changing but only mm -hmm. if it has a kind of knock-on effect in, in into the wider world um but you know if if you if you think big like they i guess they have done from the start you could be looking at building bases with landing platforms and then customizing your ships and having maybe having some kind of used spaceship lot and making money selling spaceships or something like that see that Perhaps kind I'm of point getting carried away <laughs> well let's let's get carried away for a second sure. then i think that kind of opens the door to one of the big elephants in the room is the lack of multiplayer and they were very oh, yeah. careful in the period leading up to the game's release to not over hype multiplayer i think it was always positioned as a hey if i go into a planet and, and my friend is on the planet will i see my my friend and the answer that that we would get was like something to the effect of yeah but this isn't a multiplayer game mm -hmm. but i think people latched onto that yeah yep. more than anything else and were expecting yeah. to be able to roam the galaxy with their friends yeah and it would be great if you could build a base and an actual robust multiplayer was incorporated into the game. Again, I don't know technically if that's feasible or possible based on the tech that they've built this game on, uh, or if there are even enough players for that to to, to matter at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if there was one, if there was one element that could bring people back, and bear in mind, obviously, you know, there that. Anecdotally, again, we know there's lots of instances of people, you know, either drifting away from the game and selling their physical copies on or demanding a refund or whatever else. However, there will be an awful lot of people 
of the however many copies this game sold who will continue to own it because you know or own the digital license to it Mm -hmm. Um, whether they've still got it installed currently you know that that's one thing but if people start if if the the core the core of fans who you know were smitten with the basic outline out outline and concept if if they start if if word starts to spread and and you know other through outlets like such as you know Game Informer and the other big gaming sites as well that hey multiplayer's finally in you know you can imagine I can imagine people going back and at least trying it out um and you know seeing if if maybe the game is is tiptoeing back towards it the potential that people you know dreamt it had and you know and in some cases feel that they were led to believe it it, it was mm-hmm. going to fulfill yeah it is yeah. such an interesting story isn't it it really is. Uh, the, it's hard to remember a game that had so much hype yeah. around it that in, in a really unexpected way, not like, you know, obviously a game like Call of Duty, you know, whatever mm-hmm. iterative yearly release comes out. There's a huge marketing budget behind it. But this was all basically word of mouth. And a lot of people were just fascinated with the core concept. And uh the launch was disappointing you know like you say earlier the the pc version had some very serious technical issues that were Mm. subsequently addressed through patches but for a lot of people it was very frustrating not to be able to play a game the day that it launched Uh, but i don't think that hello games helped by basically going like radio silent up until this announcement uh, yesterday with the foundation update the only thing that they really said was uh they made a joke when after uh like their twitter account was mm. there was a tweet that said no man's sky was a mistake yeah that appeared on their official twitter account we still don't know the we still don't well you know we, we yeah. have to we have to take what they say as yeah. gospel i guess but i think there's still some suspicion that that wasn't a hack and that it came from within and then it was either discipline or regret or something that <laughs> caused them to change their story uh yeah. so yeah i mean that's all part of the thing and I'm, I'm wondering also you as a you know a games industry journalist type fellow um how did you feel about um sony's comments in in the aftermath of the game where it rather than you know they'd been they'd been very supportive and we know that they they um invested in getting the game onto ps4 and yet after it came out and this uh you know this somewhat of a backlash uh happened um there's uh, uh shuhei yoshida wasn't it said mm-hmm. kind of uh, i think they made some mistakes in hyping the game too much basically yeah um, I, I like i've been following this industry as i say for you know best part of you know, 30 something years and i don't remember anything quite like that happening before either no absolutely do you remember the the game was first announced at the 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 video game awards with jeff Keeley's show and yeah. this year he was a huge backer from the beginning and then this year they're changing the way that they're presenting games that are being shown at the event uh and in, in, at least in partial response Keeley said to the way that no Man's Sky didn't live up to its promises. So game developers are going to be on the stage showing live gameplay for an extended period of time so as not to mislead people into yeah. thinking that what a game is isn't actually what it is. I'm really grateful, by the way, for how, how much uh, sort of openness and candor because I, I did come into this interview thinking, oh, well, he's got a book to promote about No Man's Sky. Jeff is surely going to, you know, it, it's he's going to be 
um, you know, sort of cautious about what he says about about the No Man's Sky <laughs> story. But no, you're completely on on. You know, you, you know exactly what's what, and you know, I like the fact that there's no attempt to kind of pretend that none of this. Oh no, because you know, no, I uh, I bought the game twice with my own money on PS4, right, right, right. So yeah, any shortcomings, I. I am absolutely aware of. And uh, at the same time, like the the toxic reaction and uh, I think that the way that that Hello Games and Sean Murray could have handled things, they could have been better. But um, I Sean Murray is just a very kind and yeah. <laughs> nice guy. And I yeah. it, it has been shocking the amount of hatred that's been leveled at him. And yeah, I I don't know what else to say with that. It's. I completely agree. It, it some of it some of it is genuinely appalling, and it does get to a point where you know that the people who are the worst culprits have kind of you know they've they've they're they're deeply unhappy, bored, lonely people who have you know literally nothing better to do, and they're and they're severely lacking in empathy. You know, but it mm-hmm. is it, it is something you know we've seen with with various situations on the internet, not not just in games, but sometimes with games where um, people kind of group together. But equally, I guess it, we shouldn't disregard the the feeling among some perfectly rational um, you know <laughs> games buying folks who feel that, that you know they got swizzed you know they got snake oil sold out out of their 60 bucks or or 50 quid or whatever um and and you know those people i'm sure the vast majority of them you know don't take to twitter and and demanding that you know murray take an overdose or something but there there are people out there doing that and forgetting that there is a real human cost to that and Mm -hmm. and and hopefully that'll all be part of the story and sean murray and the rest of the guys We'll look back and, you know, think that, wow, what a time that was. That was a learning experience. But, um, yep. yeah, I, I mean, as I say, Joe Danger, when that came out, I was a big champion of that game on podcasts that I was doing back then, you know, to a few hundred people, far fewer than I get to speak to now. But I was really keen to say, you got to you got to play Joe Danger. It's, it's so cool. It's got like elements of Sonic the Hedgehog and, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And and it just seemed like this really joyous um product and it was um it was so slick it was like the coding in it was just really really on point and i knew that this was a talented studio and i got to admit when i first started seeing stuff about no man's sky i was thinking what hello games <laughs> like they they've, they must only have like you know eight people working there at this point mm-hmm. a game like joe danger made perfect sense but but to take on No Man's Sky, like in a way, I have nothing but admiration, and it, and it, and also it speaks to me as somebody who grew up in playing um, ridiculously ambitious space games from the eighties, such as Elite and Paul Woke's Mercenary Escape from Targ and Jeff Kramer's The Sentinel, and all these impossible, uh, you know, kind of things that were were it, without those ridiculous leaps of computer game faith the industry would not be what it is now oh absolutely and so i would rather see teams you know aim high and fall slightly short mm-hmm. than than just constantly here's another assassin's creed not you know you know what i mean not to pick on yeah. those games because they have their they definitely have their merits but yeah does that, it's a, does that it's ring a, true for you absolutely I, th- I think it's encouraging too like to see them come out and say hey we've got this update because frankly i don't know as a person i could have taken that degree of criticism and reaction it just people they were just bombarded 
with so much negativity for so long sure. that it arguably much of it could have been mitigated if they had just spoken up and addressed issues yeah. with the game, not from a technical aspect, but from a features aspect. But mm. but to see that they still are they remain passionate about the game and that they aren't just cutting their losses and disbanding and moving on to something else that I think that most of us would probably look at as a very tempting proposition to think like, why am I doing this still at this point? Yeah. I, I, I hope they, they keep it, keep together and they keep it together and it hasn't been as fraught as I suspect it might've been at points behind the scenes. Um, I wonder if, um, I don't know if you've been following uh, this story, but um, a similar, but also quite different uh, product star citizen, mm-hmm. um, which to me looks like the game I, the game I dreamt of as a, as a, as a child growing up playing video games, like star citizen seems to even more than no man's sky, which has a slightly different kind of more kind of hippie trippy aesthetic (laughs) star citizens kind of like your, your, you know, your hard nosed sci-fi combat spaceship planet action. Like the game I used to play whenever I was out in the woods, you know, as a kid or on a beach or whatever, I was a, you know, a space soldier being in, in space, getting in my ship, which was my granddad's car, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Star Citizen looks like that game. And what they've decided to do from now on, apparently is to be, obviously it's slightly different because it's um, crowdfunded, but they're going to be completely transparent about their schedule and their updates. Um, I wonder do you think it would be a good idea for Hello Games to go down that road, or do you think that's opening up too much? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, especially in the case of No Man's Sky, where there is so much skepticism surrounding what exactly is happening in this black box that they've constructed around the the game's development, I think I don't see how that would hurt to at least temper expectations and just to lay it all out there, like to say this is kind of the course we're heading specifically these are the features we want to add what do all of you think uh i think opening it up like that would uh be a tremendous shot of goodwill too from the community as well Mm. because there are so many people that just feel like well what happened to them they just stopped communicating they released some patches and then that was that like no one's tweeting anything no one is saying anything they don't have like a an active forum you could go to 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 communicate with them so i think mm. communication is almost always a good thing yeah i i agree um uh, i think the one thing that they absolutely definitely shouldn't do is announce no man's sky 2 uh, any <laughs> oh lord no <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna put all the things in this game that we said we were gonna put in the first game no uh, yeah no that's um that's it's really interesting it's very yeah. tricky too though with these updates how they're going to address say for instance i'm just a just a guy who has settled on a planet and I really like this planet and I think it's beautiful. I like the the creatures on it. Mm. If you start tinkering around with the core algorithm, how much of that will have a kind of a ripple effect on everybody's experience. That's like, well, wait point. a second, where's this trading post that I used to go to? And these animals look all weird now, but yeah, that's, that is a very good point. And um, while, as I, as I say, I think they're, they, they are obviously an extremely talented small bunch of, coders and as i say insanely ambitious perhaps too much so but the while i kind of believe they could kind of pull some magic out the bag Mm -hmm. they you know i think to yeah they would have to think about so many potential knock-on consequences as you say um even stuff like you know they so 
the people who have played it have gone around naming planets and creatures and stuff and I don't know what the data is I don't think they've released any but there's a lot of stuff out there that's been named by mm -hmm. players um because you know plenty of people have played this game and played it you know for probably at least you know 30 hours to the to get to the end of the story and stuff to get their uh to get their money's worth so um they would need to not delete all that stuff i think wouldn't they you know as yeah. in they can't like if you've named a creature and it looks like it does like they can't sort of rip that ownership away from people because they that's in a way that's their although they want to bring people back in and try to um maybe win some hearts and minds back they don't want to you know piss off the people who have actually played their game the mm -hmm. most so yeah. wow what a balancing yeah, act i don't know if you could do something like a this is just off the top of my head like a season two kind of thing where right. you like what happened before stays but we're moving on from this point forward if you want to kind of take this fork in the road join us otherwise you know things will continue as they were if you if you like what it was when it was first launched that's true and and i guess again to mention destiny they've almost done that with their expansions in the mm -hmm. if you pick up a destiny expansion it like if you haven't played everything that was in the previous kind of set of stuff, you still can, but it won't gain you very much. Like you get some completely confusing cutscenes with a lot of gobbledygook in, but you don't you don't feel the same level of reward for items and things because they're all now they become so so much less powerful relevant to what everyone else has got so th you know that's activision sure and uh but they've they've charged money for all of those expansions and and their hardcore community is, is stuck with them if again if hello has now has the resources to iterate on this game in the same way that uh like you say like minecraft uh has <laughs> mojang I don't know. It's, so, it's such a fascinating time. Um, and, it, and it's a bit of a, an industry outlier, I think, the, the whole way it's gone. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe your next book should be a book about, uh, maybe give it a couple of years <laughs> and see, uh, <laughs> like write the story, see if you can get the, 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 the scoop on like everything behind the scenes. And That would be um, like an absolute dream. Like I think that the story about no Man's Sky is absolutely fascinating, even if the the game itself is uh, didn't live up to to your particular expectations. I think that I I can't remember a, a game that's had such a bizarre development and launch and reaction and mm. it it's fascinating. What I would like to say is, uh, so one of the things uh, you, you said uh, before we started the interview official that you've very kindly been uh, listening to some of our shows. Now, what, I, I don't know if you've realised this because you've listened to them all uh, kind of retrospectively, but we don't cover games when they're brand new. The, one of the yeah. things about Kane and Rince is we leave it until the both the hype and the backlash are kind of in the past. Mm -hmm. So if we ever do cover No Man's Sky, and I hope that we do, um, It'll be, you know, once once it's all settled, once everything's kind of, you know, subsided and, and it lays where it lays. But you'll have to come and join us for that. I would uh, I would love to. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It might be in a couple of years, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you'll still be keen because uh, we certainly will. That's just that's just how we work. I'll be here and I'll keep my Skype window open. Fantastic. So <laughs> uh, so what do you have an exact date for the release of the book? I believe it just December 
here. That, that's what it says here, December. So, um, well, we'll it's kind of a soft launch, and then the uh, okay, yeah. And where can people buy it? You can buy it from Amazon or sure. wherever else fine books are sold. Is there a is there going to be an electronic uh, version or a, a Kindle type thing? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. You, you could. Okay. Uh, I think they'll be on like the iBook Store, the Kindle Store, BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, the publisher TriumphBooks.com as well. Fantastic. Well. Jeff, it's been an enormous amount of fun to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Leon. Thank you for talking to me. I like and to talk we'll about video games. Sure, and we'll stay in touch. And uh, yeah, perhaps you, even if we don't, even if it's not for No Man's Sky, perhaps we can have you on the uh, the other show for another game that you're particularly passionate about. Oh, if you if you decide to do Gotcha Force or Chibi Robo, you got to talk to me. Oh, okay, Chibi Robo, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we on the GameCube. Yes, on the GameCube. That could certainly happen. All, All right. right. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. No problem. Thank you.